Blog Talk Radio. But he's one of the hidden faces 
if you can call them that, because this team has never had the late season uh, success that they plan on having, especially when you have the best player in the game, the best player in the game, and uh, you know, for the Angels, probably more partner, and I'm sure that Trout, if you were in the mix of things, to try to push through, because that seems like what the person he is, but better off taking care of everything, getting him the rest that he needs, and hopefully he's back next year, producing the same way, which probably will be the team that every year he's producing like this. And, um, they're only 20 and a half games back, though. Oh, yeah, no, they're still in the same thing, right? But he did say that he was dealing with it for a month, and it kept getting worse, but exactly, he was dealing with it for a month, and he said he was going to play through it. It doesn't seem like it's that, you know, serious that I don't have any long-term effects, especially since he's making the last 15 out of 12 now games this season. But, you know, hopefully Travis gets better and another great year for him. I thought he was going to get to 300 by the end of it, but, of course, now that he's missing time, that won't happen. But still, 291 is nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, I mean, for him, you expect him to miss 300s every year, and you don't know what to happen in the last 12 games. But for the Angels, it's, you got to be prepared. Uh, precautious with this because he's got a 12-year, $430 million contract. If you play him the next 12 games and he doesn't mean nothing, and he, he could turn to the new uh, Greg Bird with plantar fasciitis in every part of his body. So, six month DL stint, IL stint now. Can't be offended, uh, offensive, but uh, this also sucks for baseball. The same way Yelich sucks for baseball. I mean, Yelich came on the scene for the last couple of years, but Mike Trout, you just you want your best, the best player. It's just good for baseball when he's playing. When he's not playing, I mean. There's no reason to watch the Angel game now. Yeah. I mean, no. there's no, there's really reason to watch it beforehand, but now it's the best player in the league not playing. This just pointless. They should just watch the rest of the yeah, season. I mean, you're talking about it's tough for baseball. You got the names that we're going to go over. We're going to highlight five names. Four of them are huge names. Like, they're not small pieces yeah. of teams. And if the Brewers do somehow sneak in, now you're going to watch the postseason without Christian Yelich, who's one of the most exciting players to watch right now. It's not, not going to do well for viewership, especially – you know, people that tune in just to watch these star players because star players, we see it all the time. Every sport has them where people watch LeBron or they tune in to watch, you know, a Mike Trout or a Yellowton. If you can't watch them in a wild card game, you know, that's one of the players that sticks out. But moving on to a team that we've talked about a lot of the teams, they are things when it comes to the best teams in baseball. They're probably the Houston Astros and they magic number is now three for the AL East, but they're going to have to do it. Virtually without Paris Sanchez, probably the rest of the regular season, but then just if he's able to come back, which I won't let him play anyway. Um, but Sanchez is batting 233 this year with 34 homers and 77 RBIs. And he tried to steal second base and got thrown out and wound up pulling his groin. He said that he didn't feel it after run, but when he went to swap, because he was starting to feel the pain. So that's never a second time this year that he had a groin hit, actually, his other groin. So, yeah, it's good that he's getting out of pain. Maybe that's how But just the fact that you have your cat there and your, you know, premier power and you're second base in a game that's absolutely meaningless is, you know, making sure that So everyone's trying to blame Phil Nevin for this. And, yeah, you green light someone, you probably should just – when you saw him run, just scream like, no, go back, whatever. Yeah. It's pointless. But there was a shift on. He was green light. No one was holding him on. So he decided to go. And if he got hurt, he got to for seconds, a different story. But he was clearly out. And this sucks because he's having a year, I mean, last year he batted 186. This year, he's at 233. He's having a lot better year. But he still just can't stay healthy. Nope. And we're probably talking 
next week's podcast about the fact that you have Austin Roma and he'll become free agent after this year for the Yankees. And he's just been durable his whole time with the Yankees. He's played great defense and he's come up clutch hitting wise. I mean, Gary Sanders' bat, you can't really replace, but it's going to be a tough question what the Yankees want to do in the offseason. I mean, it makes sense to keep Romine because in case Sanchez does it again, but like, who, who are you to blame when you keep pulling muscles? I mean, no stealing. You're done stealing for the rest of your career. I don't want to see a stat line that has you have any stolen bases for the next 10 plus years. Uh, it's just, it's mind boggling that he would even try to steal second base. And I mean, it's just like a major league player. And he's not even old that you should be able to run 90 feet without pulling something. It, it just, it, like, come on, it, it gets to a point where it's ridiculous. And I mean, the Yankees have over 2,500 days missed this year, by <laughs> it's by far the most, I think it's 700 more than the second place team. It's the most all time. They had 33 players on the, that different IL stands. It's not even like their regular roster. It's people coming up, they play one game, like Ira Estrada played it what, two games, and all of a sudden he got hurt. It's like as soon as you put on the pinstripes, you become one of the best players in baseball, like Gio Ortella, but at the same time, no. if you walk wrong, you, you're out for six I thought you were going to say another P word instead of pinstripes. No, but no, um, no. what I was going to say is, you know, everyone complains about Sanchez not hustling and he gets thrown out. And mm-hmm. To be completely honest, I'd rather take the not hustling. If he's, I mean, yes, you're a baseball player, you should rather get the first base, running hard with pain free, but if you're not and you're going to be out, four or five times a year on the aisle for running, screw it. Don't run it out. You're fine. I'd rather you be in the lineup. They're going to have walkers by the time. The baby bombers are going to turn into the nursing home by five years after playing with each other. But, you know, Aaron Boone said that he doesn't want to stay, you know, 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, all these things, because we're now in the early stages. He said that uh, based on the information given to me, I have optimism. Which, yeah. What else can you right. say? I mean, so there's really no time for him. Whenever he decides he can feel – you know, like he gets cleared and capable of doing baseball activities. But, you know, there's 12 games left in the year. And Roman is a guy shoulder, more than capable of doing it. They just got to win three to come stay at least. Home field advantage, keeping up the action. Yeah, a little more They're tied right now. Yeah, they, they still can do it. Um, I think that it, it doesn't look like they're going to because Houston is going the opposite way. They're getting healthier. They're starting to roll while the Yankees are just still in group. If you do get the back this week, and the arena is back, the chances look good, and there's two outs, which Montgomery I'm did not. I'm not talk about that. Why take him out after two outs? But, um, Eight pitches. So Montgomery looked a little shaky, but that's to be expected. He's missed 17 months. So, <laughs> um, it, you know, it's hard to do it with Yankees, but the Yankees have shown their capability to respond to injured players. I read an article the other day about when the Yankees lost to Toronto in one of the games, and Judge said, you couldn't get anything going, couldn't get that big hit. And I thought who the writer was, was trying to blame that on the fact that they didn't have to just bat in the lineup, which is the reason why the Yankees can't score runs. And obviously that's a load of crap because they don't need Sanchez. Yeah. We've seen they don't need Sanchez, but – even if he doesn't hit, as we always talk about, he's still a scary bat in the lineup, and he provides protection. So hopefully he returns, but there's no more being cautious and taking your time to get back when you have 12 yeah. games left. I mean, you've got to push yourself at this point. Yeah. Uh, but it's also growing for a catcher does become like – Well, I guess you DH, but then you have the problem with everything that goes with yeah, that with, Stan, uh, with Stanton. And... Uh, it's just it's ridiculous at this point. We talk about 33 man games lost in uh, – 33 men on the IL, and yet they're still – 
second in the league at home runs at 287. It's already the record. They're battling the Twins. They got the best record in baseball. It's one of the more miraculous seasons, if you will, just because not only are they this good, but they've had well, just, many, they've had a roster and a half on the IL. Nobody should be able to withstand that. Do you think if they're completely healthy, they're winning 115, 120 games? Completely healthy all year? Completely healthy yeah. all year. But, but think about it, though. If you're completely healthy all year, Giro Rochelle doesn't touch a ball. Toppin doesn't do what he does. Well, Giro Rochelle would have because Andujar was already hurt. But, no, if he came back, though, and was healthy because he tried to come back and play. Uh, I, was, I feel like Andujar would have had a year. Yeah, probably would have. So, I mean, defensively is where you ask about him. But if you're completely healthy, that means you have Severino in your rotation and Batanz in your rotation. Uh, and your, your bullpen, bullpen, I mean. Yeah. That, that's just – you're missing a lot of big bats here and a lot of big arms. So, they're starting to get the arms back. The bats are going to follow. And, you know, the playoffs, you need everybody back. you got to have a full roster. Everybody's got to participate, and they know their roles. But – We'll see what happens with Sanchez. Moving on to another team now that could really use a bat back is Anthony uh, Rizzo and the Cubs. Rizzo sprained his ankle, and, you know, it's it didn't look good watching the play. No. It looked like he was in a lot of pain. And, you know, he's batting 289 this year with 26 homers and 93 RBIs, so he's having a very good year. He always has a good year, but they're going to miss him more defensively, let alone offensively, because he's one of the best first basemen in baseball for a team that also loves Javier Baez. They're without Craig Kimbrell, no Addison Russell, and they're only a game up on the Brewers. It's a, it's a very uphill climb right now for the Cubs to maintain I mean, they also, that wild card spot. Yeah, they also have Chris Bryan, who's been dealing with knee injuries the whole entire year. So it's just – they really suck, especially defensively, because he's so good. But we've seen him overcome stuff in the past. I know he had cancer when he was younger, overcame that. So I have no problem – No, I could see him coming back just – it's rough, especially with the people they have injured now. And they, different than the Yankees, don't have the depth. Yeah. That, that, well, I don't think anybody you know. in the MLB has the depth that the Yankees do. But uh, you look at this, and, you know, there's rumors that Chris Bryant might get dealt this offseason. And, you know, we were all talking about how good the Cubs were just four years ago when, you know, you got all these young guys coming up. And this is going to be the end. They broke that 100-year World Series drought. and They thought that this could be the next baseball dynasty. And it's amazing how fast, you know, teams could demise. And they're still competitive. They're still good. But, I mean, it's almost like they're trying to retool already. And Chris Bryant was thought to be the face of that franchise. And now they're talking about making him available in trade talks. And, you know, you go back to looking at the Yankees. They've had, what, over 20 years of straight winning seasons. And it's just it's crazy that how hard it is to maintain a level of success, that's success in this league. And, Losing Rizzo during the stretch won't won't help the Cubs' chances at all. Yeah, I mean the good news for them is they have a lead. They're in they're in the, the wild card game right now. Yeah. So it could be worse. You could be out of it and have all these injuries. But the good news is that the X-rays didn't show a fracture. It could. I mean, it could really be that he just sprained it or in a few days, and, and you never know what's yeah. happening. I mean, we we'll roll our ankles, and sometimes you know it could take ten days, which that's all they have left in the year, yeah. which is the no, problem right, right now. So it's up to the Cubs pitching right now. They got Lester, Darvish has been looking good. These guys got to step up now and run the uh, load. So John, uh, so Madden, their manager, loves to put Rizzo at the leadoff slot. And let me just read you his leadoff numbers, which they're gonna miss greatly. Twenty-three starts at the leadoff spot, batting three eighty-three, 
six homers, seven doubles, two triples, 18 RBIs, 14 walks, three hit by pitches. You know he gets hit by pitch every freaking game. But, he, yeah, he he's perfect in the leadoff role, and it's weird just because of power guy like that. But no, Listen, I mean, whatever works. You know, the people have been slotting. There's, there's no more traditional leadoff guy that's on base and speed, you know. Very few teams have that. Gardner used to be the Yankees leadoff guy forever, and now all of a sudden he's batting closer to the bottom because you don't want you want a guy that can actually drive and run to the top of the order. But it, Rizzo is all around a great player. All star. We know what we're going to get with Anthony Rizzo, and they don't really have that type of replacement that can meet his production level. With defense, Javi Baez steals the show there with the defensing yeah. magical skills he puts on, but. I mean, Rizzo makes those big scoops all the time, and now you're going to rely on someone else to do it. Well, you're talking about one of the most solid infields in baseball that now has the first baseman and the shortstop gone. And not a healthy third baseman if, when he plays third, Brian, yeah. and you have Bo and all those guys. But it's it's just not good, especially when you don't really talk defense that much in the playoffs and how crucial it is. And you make that an error, it comes back to you. Or that one, one big scoop at first base, and you're out of an inning ending double mm-hmm. play with guys on you know first and third and stuff. So Defense wins games. Every sport can be said that defense yeah. is what you need, and you know some the teams that struggle with that are usually the teams that get booted first. But moving on to the next guy, uh, we as the Yankees fans are watching this live. Tim Mesa, one and four with a four nine one ERA. The numbers aren't eye popping, but he threw a pitch against the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, he threw a pitch, and the pitch went. It looked like fifty cents first pitch at the City Field yeah. a couple of years ago. It was just terrible, but then you saw him drop right away and. You know, it, it was almost like a look of shock over his face because he knew something really bad was wrong. But it, it's just it's painful to watch, especially as I used to pitch. I felt my arm, you know, go a couple of times, never to that level. But he tore his UCL and he's going to need Tommy John surgery. And that's usually a year to a year and a half recovery time. So you wish him all the best and hopefully he can come back from it. I mean, yeah, this is obviously not one of the bigger ones. Just wanted to talk about it. But because Toronto's eliminated. It's just, I mean, the fourth most appearances this year was 68, so he's been relied on heavily by uh, Toronto. But it's something I have not seen on live television, a guy go down after, you know, they usually, uh, okay, I don't feel right, I'm going to come into the game. But, like, he, he watched somebody just pop it. Yeah. yeah, right on TV, and he goes down, and he knows. He, I think he was honestly crying. I mean, yeah, it sucks. It must hurt a lot. Well, if if you if it was that much pain from because yeah. usually like you said you feel it you're like all right something like a little tense, like, like oh Tommy John yeah I'm tested but he went right like he knew right away and, pop. and but you said he's the fourth most appearances this year maybe he, his arm wasn't that prepared for that's so, true too uh, I mean maybe he was overused by the Blue Jays uh, but you know again we wish him the best and hopefully he gets back soon but that Toronto team is going to be dangerous. Yeah. I think they'll be dangerous next year. I just their offense. Well, offense is very dangerous. They need, they need to they need to figure out the bullpen. You know, they had Ozuna. They traded him. Uh, I mean, I feel like they've had so many players over the last couple of years. But that they just moved they're so built for the future with Guerrero, Bichette, Biggio, yep. and Hernandez having a great year. You have um, Guriel, yep. Yeah, the Guriel who he got sent down. Orders. Well, he got sent down oh, early in the year. He came back and all of a sudden he looks like. He looks like his brother. Him and the two Gurriels were going he's off. Crushing, he's crushing everything, right? Yeah, well, so, he, I mean, he's got that uppercut modern era swing where it's everything's power. That takes us to our next yep, segment. Exactly. The power increase in baseball. Uh, is, we talked about the balls <laughs> being juiced, and 
you know, more and more every day it looks like they are. But you got so many names here that you just don't expect to be hitting the amount of home runs that they are this year. And I mean, we start with the Yankee and Brett Gardner, who's only batting 249, but he has 25 home runs, career high for him in his 36-year-old season. And he's hitting a home run every 18 at-bats. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling thing that Brett Gardner is a power hitter now in baseball. Yeah, after last season, they thought, okay, we'll bring – Gardner comes back. He's going to be a role player. He's not going to do much. Then Hicks gets hurt early in the season and gets hurt. He's playing a lot more than expected, and he made the most of it. I mean, he's setting career high in home runs. Again, 36 years old. He broke 21 set back in 2017. He had 12 last year. He he was one home run for every 44.2 at bat. That is a ridiculous jump. That's like one third difference. And I threw the batting average out here just to show that he had a 236 batting average last year. And we'll see this with a couple of guys on this list that with the power numbers increasing, maybe balls a few years ago or last year that are hit hard are going to be pop outs or fly outs. And now they're living in the yard. So it's interesting to see how the batting average can go up. I'm not saying that's the reason, but. Yeah, and just watching Gardner, his swing has always been a slap hitter swing, and now the ball is leaving the yard. So you, you just you wonder if he changed something in the angle that he swings at. But coming up, he was always speed, just wanting to get on base, walking, almost like an Ichiro guy. But now he's pulling the ball over that short porch in uh, right field, and he's making use of it more than anybody else. But I think the next guy, Genio Suarez, is even he's having probably one of the most underrated seasons I've ever heard of. Because the market that he's in. Nobody's talking about him. He's tied with Pete Alonso in home runs with 47, batting 271, even 100 RBIs. And, you know, he's only 28. So you could expect this for a couple more years from him. Uh, he's hitting a home run every 11.42 at-bats as opposed to last season when it was one every 15 and a half. So not as big of a jump as Gardner, but still a little jump there too. The difference with him is his batting average went down. It was 283 last year, and now it's 271. He did hit 34 runs last year. So, like a lot of guys on this list, they've been raking in the past. But when you see 34 last year, you go, dang, it's a lot. And this year, 47. That's a lot. So, it, it's interesting to see, especially with a guy that literally goes under the radar every single year, and no one gives him credit where credit's due. Yeah, he's gone up, though, each of the last three years, 26 to 34 now, 47 and counting. So, he, he's having a great year. Pete Alonso is the next guy on the list, also having a great year. He's batting 261 uh, with 47 homers and 109 RBIs in his rookie year. So at 24, you know, he's having the judge type year where they're not early rookies, but they've had a little bit more seasoning and it's paid off for them. Uh, he won the home run derby, obviously. So we know he has power, but again, these numbers are sort of unprecedented. There's only one other rookie that's ever done it. Uh, he broke the Mets single season record with 42. So uh, <laughs> a home run every 11.6 at bats in your rookie years. Uh, you can't really start better than that. No, you can't. He, he broke the NL rookie home run record with 40. I'm pretty sure Bellinger had that. So it's just, it's crazy to see, especially a guy that he's jacked first off at the plate. doesn't hide it. He's got the power, but he's looking to go yard every time he's up there. Do you think that, you know, if he, let's say he passes Aaron Judge, right? Can you look back and go, well, Judge's years of both weren't 
thought of as Juice now this year. Alonzo's Juice, so obviously he's going to break the record. And then comparing the two players, I know we were talking earlier. You probably both agree that Aaron is the best better all-around player, just yeah. the fielding aspect. Judge is just a great fielder. Alonzo's good. He's just not great. He's a first baseman, so you don't have to be as good defensively. There's just there's less responsibility there as so, opposed to a right fielder. But pure batting-wise, you I think mean, that Alonzo has – Maybe a little, a little more pop. I don't know. They're I need, pretty similar. I need to see more than just home run totals. I want, I need to see like all the strikeout numbers in comparison because Judge does strike out a lot, so I want to see if he does as well. Uh, you know, clutch stats, all those things. Before I say that, but you also need time because you look at Aaron Judge, you saw 52 homers, a 270 hitter. Like, wow, this guy could be legit. And then the next year, you know, wasn't up to that same level because injury. So consistency is a, a big part in who will ultimately become the better hitter, but you know, he's got five home runs left to tie Judge with probably 11 to 12 games left, so could he do it? Yeah, it's going to be tough because you got to get hot, and now you're in the, uh, the heat of the playoff race, so every at-bat means more. There's more pressure on you, not only to hit the home run, but to drive in runners on base, too, so uh, it's going to be fun to watch that pan out, um, but the next one, is probably the most interesting name on this list because Jorge Soler was a Cub, got traded, you know, kind of had a really down year last year, only at nine home runs, but he was injured a lot of the year and didn't play as much. Uh, but this year he's hit 44 home runs, 108 RBIs, and he's only 27. <laughs> he has a home run every 12.38 at bats this year, as opposed to a home run every 28.5. And it's the same thing we could say for Suarez in Cincinnati. He's just not in a market where people are paying attention. This yeah. guy is. The only thing I think of in my head was steroids, just because how bad he was. I mean, dang it, he had a bad year last year. This guy was a highly touted prospect, but yeah, he's just crushing everything too. And you watch the Royal Games, and, and not much to watch yeah. for either. But he's a big money maker for that team. I mean, he set the home run record for the Royals already. I think he did that at 40. Nobody in Royals history had ever reached 40 home runs. Um, 369 less plate appearances last year. That's a that's a big amount. So he missed a good amount of the year, and that contributes to why he only had nine home runs. But I mean, probably 18. Just, you double it, or yeah. you know, 25. Yeah, no, he wouldn't have come close to this. But you know, he's taking 16 less at bats between home runs, which is significant. Well, we've seen a lot of these guys on this list, where especially Brett Gardner, you go from 44 points at bats per one home run to now you're at one for 18. I mean, these are this is why this makes it interesting to talk about, just for the fact that are are these balls really the deciding factor or is this offseason everyone I know Brett Gardner for a fact. He talked about it how younger guys are coming up with the launch angle mentality and that he said hit us older guys, veterans, you pay attention to that stuff yep. too. So it's interesting to see you got a twenty seven year old who's crushing and then you have a guy that's you know, thirty six. So it doesn't matter right now. Just the ball is being juiced or not. Mm-hmm. Baseball is now changed. Now you're gonna look, and if Jorge Soler hits 25 home runs next year, or 27 home runs, which is whatever, good. Well, he could hit 44 one year, and that actually raises the standard too. It does. You have a guy like you're assuming next year, it's a down year if this guy doesn't hit 35 home runs. Yep. And if they whatever they do with the balls, they fix the balls, or you know whatever happens, now he's only hitting 25. This is big for contract years too. It is. I don't know. I don't know if any of these guys are in contract years, sure. but Josh Bell, who's the well, next Garner is. Garner is always in a contract year now. Yeah. Uh, he's more defense. They don't care if he hits 25 home runs. Great. If he hits 12, fine. It's 
they need him defensively, leadership-wise. But Josh Bell is only 23, and he's going to be playing for a contract sooner rather than later. And after 12 home runs last year, he's up to 37 this year. Uh, he's 116 RBIs. He's been, from the get-go, one of the better players in the National League and baseball, for that matter. And, you know, last year he was kind of that sophomore slump where he had his good rookie year and pitchers kind of figured him out. And now he's made adjustments. And he's also a switch hitter, which makes the 37, even though it's not as much as the other guys we've been talking about, it's it's still even more impressive, if you will, because of the ability to do it from the right and left side of the plate. And he hits the home run every 14 and a half at bats, as opposed to last year, which was the home run every 41.7 at bats. So that's a massive jump. Shows that he's made adjustments. And, you know, it's the 26 and 2017, he's even up that total. So he's always been a good hitter. It's just can he hit for the consistent power that he did his first season in baseball? And he's proving this year that he can. Um, 261 average last year. He's up to 277 this year. So all around, he's just improved. And I think that he's one of the few cases here where it's less about are the baseball juice and more about he's just figuring it out at the plate. Yeah, I mean, he was really hard to start the year, and then he cooled off a little bit. But the jump, and especially at 23 years old, you could just say that, okay, he had a down year last year. Like a few guys on this list had a down year. But he's really turned up. And it's sad to say, again, the Pirates didn't do much this season. And obviously he'd be more of a story if the Pirates were a playoff contender. But, I mean, he had 26 runs in 2017. We know this guy had popped down here last year. But this year, just, again, 37 homers. Guys like this don't get enough credit because of the markets. Pittsburgh Pirates have been bad for a couple of years now. I mean, McCutcheon was their their best player for a few years. And then he left. So now Josh Bell is coming as that superstar for this Pirates team that hopefully – They'll have for a long time. Yeah, I mean, Superstar and Mike Trout go together. And he's the other guy on this list. He has a career-high 45 home runs. And we talked about his numbers already. He's hitting a home run every 10 and a half at-bats as opposed to 12 last year. So I think he's less surprising. He's He's had a little more power than average this year. He'll flip-flop with that throughout his career where maybe he'll hit 300 and have 38 home runs instead of 45. But, you know, Trout is always going to be the exception where they can choose the baseballs, they can make the baseballs almost impossible to hit, and he'd somehow still hit it because he's just that good. Yeah, I mean, you expect if everyone else is going to have spikes in their home run numbers, Mike Trout will too, but I still think he could hit 45 home runs with any ball that's used. He's just, he just he's one of those players that no matter how the game changes, he's so dynamic, and he, his ability to – Changes swing a little bit, you know. His the way he just plays baseball, he never he's never bad, and he consistent every single year because he makes those little changes, and we've seen it with the ball being absolute one. Yep. Um, now we'll open up the phone lines if you want to call in seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. And Brendan, I just have a question for you. Out of all these guys, we'll start with um, the power guys. Out of all the guys, which guy surprised you the most, and which guy on this list, you know? How important is it for that player this year? Well, I think that it's Jorge Soler just because of where he's been throughout his career. We talked about him when he was on the Cubs and how he came into the league. Everybody had high expectations for him. Uh, He always had power, never to this extent. But 
you know, he's getting, he's 27. Months. We started to, people were like, all right, we'll put him as one of those categories, but he got a great opportunity in the small market in Kansas City, you know, not high expectations there at all. People knew they weren't going to be good. And he settled into that cleanup spot and he proved to people that, listen, I can play in this league and I can do it at a high level. And 44 and 108 in one year, is a, that's a really good year. And especially when your average is hovering around 260, that means you're a very good hitter. So I think that for him to gain that confidence is big for him. It's big for Kansas City if they're able to keep him around for a little bit because we know they usually have problems maintaining high-valued uh, players. But at the same time, if he has confidence coming into next year and he's proved it, he can earn himself a nice little career here in baseball. So for me, I'm going to say Pete Alonso just for the sole fact that the Mets fans every year promised a great team. And then after the first day of the regular season, the season practically over. And this year, Pete Alonso with Jeffrey Neal have turned this Mets organization around. 261 average, 47 homers, 109 RBIs. He's young. One home and derby, which already sparks fans' interest and makes them pay attention more. I know for a fact there's more Mets fans going to games this year than in the past season just because they're attracted to something. There's something they can actually watch. Not, and they're chasing for a playoff spot. Yep. So I think Pete Alonso this year, his numbers, just for the whole entire organization, mean a lot more than, you know, Cincinnati was supposed to be pretty good too. They didn't do much. The Royals, nothing expected. Pirates, nothing expected. Mm-hmm. And for Greg Garner, I, I mean, yeah, he's having a great year, but his play is not – quote unquote needed. They have other guys that are hitting twenty something home runs. How many guys have on the team that have hit twenty home runs this year? Ten? Fifteen? Uh for twenty plus? Yeah. I think it's eight. Anyway, yeah. but like it's so ten will be record for that. I know they have at least thirteen that have hit ten plus. I mean, that so fact there just shows that Brett Carter probably did not have a season like this for them to be in. So I think Pete Alonzo now we can talk about close it up the injury bug out of all the injuries right now which injury do you do you think is the biggest one to deal with well I mean the biggest injury right now just out of relevance to the race is Christian Yelich because obviously Trout's the biggest name but the Angels weren't going anywhere Yankees are going to miss Sanchez but they're in the playoffs at this point so it's Yelich with the Brewers one game out is the one that's going to really affect his team the most and you know I think he might still win MVP even though he's hurt now the rest of the year just because he's been more consistent than Bellinger Bellinger was a, he fell off Anthony Rendon's now in the conversation too but uh it's it's tough I mean I don't think the Brewers now have shot I think it opens the door for the Mets it opens the door for the Phillies uh if the Cubs can get contributions and they have an easier road but it, it it really opens up the door for these NL East teams. I thought, wow, I really three and a half out, you know, with this amount of time left. That's tough. I mean, yeah, for me, I mean, I would agree with Yelich, but Andy Rizzo is really close behind with that. Just for the fact how he, he's a young player, but he's a he's a leader on that team. And yeah, I'd say Yelich is a leader, but there's a lot of veterans on that team as well with Ryan Braun, Mike Moustakis. I know Rizzo gets cut off in the locker rooms. I know Rizzo just the way he plays the game as some guy you don't want to lose, especially, I mean, I don't know how many people on the injured list for Brewers right now, but like you said, with Baez out, Chris Bryan dealing with injuries uh, throughout the season, you have pitchers injured, like what's the guy you don't want to lose right now adds to a bigger issue, especially, like we said, he has to lead in the locker, but it's going to be really hard to keep 
But something that the Cubs do have is they always have depth. I like the Dodgers. Like, oh, I like Bode. There was another guy the other day. He's going off. No neighbors. They just get the job done. So I really think that it's between Rizzo and Yelich. Mike Trout, obviously, season's over. Sanchez, big bad of Austin Roma, stability. So, no, but it is interesting to see. Again, we have like a little over a week or two of games left. And hopefully, some of these guys come back, like Sanchez, Rizzo. But if they don't come back, it's tough. Very tough. You need a full roster. Uh, most of the time, you need a full roster. I mean, the Yankees are the best suited to deal with Sanchez injury. They have two capable catchers. But come the playoffs, do you do you really have two capable catchers? You got to say. I mean, Sanchez has played the majority of the last postseason games because he's been healthy. Um, Rizzo. Yeah, they're going to miss him a lot if they're able to hold on with the sprained angle. So he'll probably be back, which, you know, gives them that guy. But you're missing bias, too. So that I think that the amount of injuries the Cubs have really put them in a different category now. Because if it was just Rizzo, I think it would stand it. I, I still think they make the playoffs. Yeah. But because it's four people, it's your closer and two of your best players, that's tough. So Sanchez being hurt, you think, since he's a catcher, no one else on the is a catcher, does he hurt? The Yankees pitching staff, because they've really turned around lately. I know Hap's been great his last handful of starts. Paxton's been great. I'm assuming they mostly pitch Sanchez when he plays. So does that make that impact, or do you think Roman will be just fine commanding the starting rotation? I think Roman will be just fine. I think that he usually calls it a good game. I know that the veterans like to pitch to him because he thinks more defensively. Uh, whereas Sanchez probably knows what the pitchers like to throw and gives them the benefit of the doubt, which some pitchers like too. The thing that most concerns me is when he got Shioga plays, if they don't trust him to call the pitches, that means Larry Rothschild's calling the pitches. And that scares me. Because we've seen him completely ruin Sonny Gray because he wants to throw the cutter. We saw him tell Paxton, throw the cutter more, throw the curveball less. And then as soon as he did the exact opposite of that, guess what? Now he hasn't lost in nine first starts. So that scares me. Hopefully he learned from his mistakes and he can – you know, say, all right, keep going with what's working for you. But if he falls into his old tendencies, then that's the only thing that I would be concerned about. I was Larry Rothschild like Matthew Berry. Yeah, whatever he does, do the opposite, 100%. I mean, I don't know how Larry still has a job this year, but it's because they look at the record and look. I mean, a lot of the pitchers have a big gap between their wins and losses, but their ERA is like made three, high, high three. So, true. It's interesting, but um, that's all we got for this week. Next week, I guarantee the playoff standings will change quite a bit, and yep. we'll see how these injuries and these hot hitters are producing. See you guys next time.